Well, today what I want to discuss with you, I want us to continue in the book of Colossians, and I want us to look at why these people were stuck where they were. They got to a point in their, in their faith where they'd come so far, but yet they couldn't get any further. And we're going to look today at why they couldn't get any further. And today I want to speak into your lives and each of you. And maybe there are some reasons why what you need to do in order to get further with the Lord. Further in your faith. Increase your faith. Increase your commitment. Increase what God is doing in your life. You know, when we started this church. God really, I really felt God spoke to Raquel and myself. My wife Raquel and myself. In December 2008. And I really felt God say, you know, I want you to step out in faith for me. And when we started to, to, to come to the realization that God wanted us to plant, uh, plant a church or start a church. I really looked at God and I said, God, that's a very well, but I don't know how to plant a church or lead a church. I had been on staff at churches, but I'd never led a church. I'd never started a church. And I remember God just dealt with me. Over the course of about nine months. And he started stirring things within me. To a point where I realized that. If I really want to be all that God has designed and intended for me to be. Then I need to make a step of faith. And actually do what God has called me to do. Or what God has asked me to do. And so we didn't know how to start a church. We didn't know what to do. We went to a few conferences. We met with different people. But on, this, on September 19th. 2010, we started this church, Generation Church, and I'll be honest with you, and I can tell you this like eight months later, I had no idea what I was doing. No idea. And sometimes there's days I wake up, I'm like, what are we doing? I mean, like, do we really know how to lead a church? But I remember very specifically God speaking and saying, if you will do what I've told you to do, if you make that step of faith, then I will be with you every step of the way. And I'm so thankful that we decided to make that step of faith. We decided to make this step of faith. These people at this church at Colossians were in the same position. God had so much for these people. God wanted to use this little church to change this city that was just full of of sin and full of things that you do not even want to think about. And God wanted to use these Colossians or these, uh, these people at this church at Colossae to reach out to this city. And they had a choice. Were they going to make a step of faith and do what God had commanded them to do? Or were they just going to stay in their little church, in their little group, sing a little song, sing Kumbaya, have a little guitar going, you know, and then somebody say a nice little sermon, and then we all go to Bob Evans for lunch or something. That's, they had this choice to make. And so often in life, we can be like this. We can have a choice ahead of us, and, and we can take a risk, And if we take a risk and it pays off, our life can be so wonderful, so incredible. Or we can just stay back because the risk may be too much to take. You know, so often it's not the cost that hurts us. But it's other factors that get in the way. And for these Colossians, three factors had gone in the way for them. And so today what I want to talk about, I want to talk about these three things that got in the way. And I call these three things baggage. You may wonder why we've got like suitcases here. At the front. And these are our three little, uh, three little pieces of baggage that got in the way for these Colossians. And as this baggage got in the way for these Colossians, I believe this morning that the, the same sort of baggage may be getting in the way for us as well. And so if you've got your Bibles this morning, if you want to turn 
to, uh, to Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 2. And the first scripture I'm going to read, I'm going to read from the message version. I don't normally read from this version, but I really liked what it said. And this is what it says. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. It says, my counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You receive Christ Jesus, the master. Now live him. You're deeply rooted in him. You're well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. So we're seeing here that these people, they were good Christians. They knew the Bible. They, 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 they knew their faith. They knew what they needed to do. But then Paul says this. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. Then he says, watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk. They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. They spread their ideas through the empty traditions of human beings and the empty superstitions of spirit beings. But that's not the way of Christ. Everything of God gets expressed in Him so you can see Him clearly. You don't need a telescope. You don't need a microscope or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without Christ. When you come to Him, that fullness comes together for you too. His power extends over everything. Here, these Colossians have got to a point and there was a baggage that was stopping them from going forward in their life. And I call this baggage the learning baggage. And the reason I call this the learning baggage is because so often, so many of us, we want to learn, 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 and learn. But we never do, do, do. So many people are graduating this week. High school students, university students. I have a brother who is becoming a professional student. He decided to do a master's in uh, composition. I don't know why. I mean, I don't know what job he can get with that. And now he's decided he's going to now go and do a degree in theology. The reason is, is because he has no idea what he wants to do with his life. And so instead of going out and stepping out and making something of his life, he's decided, I'm just going to wait in college until I decide what I want to do. But the problem for so many people is they stay in college and they never go on to what God wants them to do or what they've been designed to do in their life. And so often we're the same in our faith. We, we read about faith. We learn about faith. We see others step out in faith. We get excited when we see faith in action. But when it's time for us to step out in faith, then there's question marks. Then we stop. The Apostle Paul here says this. He says, school's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And he's talking about faith. Quit studying about faith. Start living in your faith. So often we can be so held back by the baggage of trying to learn so much. So I remember when we planted the church, I really thought, God, I do not know enough about church planting. I do not know enough about starting a church. And this is what God said. God says it doesn't matter. But I know enough, so you don't have to know enough. Just go with what I'm telling you to do. In John chapter 21 and verse 15. Jesus says this. To 
Peter, his disciple. They'd just eaten some fish for breakfast. And Peter, Peter was, was, was a fisherman. And Jesus says this, he says, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these fish? And, and, and uh, Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then Jesus says, then feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked this question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep. Jesus was basically saying, okay, Peter, it's time for you to get up and do what you've been called to do. And that is lead the very first church that there ever was. Get up and feed my sheep. Go and feed my people. Go and care for my people. Go and do what I've called you to do. In, in James chapter 2 and verse 14, it says this, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you have faith, but don't show your actions? Or don't show it by your actions? That kind of faith cannot save anyone. And in your life, God has called each and every one of us. It may not be to be a preacher. It may not be to an evangelist. It may not be to be a staff member in a church. But God has called each and every one of you. He has designed each and every one of you for specific things. And God wants to meet you in the middle. He wants you to take that step of faith. And then he will give you what you need in order to take it out. So many of us don't walk in our full potential that God has given because the baggage, what I like to call the fear of outside the classroom. Fear of outside the classroom. Fear of actually doing what you've been taught to do. Fear of what you actually read the Bible tell you to, tell you to do. And Paul even went on and he says, these people, he says, you have been taught so much that your roots have gone down into the ground and you are well rooted in the Scriptures. You are well rooted in God. You know what is right and what is wrong. You know what you should do. Now go and do it. And so, this morning, we got some baggage. And we got three different types of baggage. And you can walk around with this baggage and this baggage will only get you so far. And if you try to go too far, the one baggage on the one side will cause you to to stop and be restricted. But if you go the other way, then the other baggage will stop you. And this is what Jesus wants you to do today. When you come to the baggage of fear of outside the classroom or fear of doing what God has told you to do. This is what God wants you to do. He doesn't want you to go and study it. He wants you just to cut it so you are free of that baggage. Free of the baggage of your fears, of your anxieties, of doing what God has designed you to do. And some of you this morning, you've got dreams, you've got passions, and you, want, you, you just want to go out and do it. But you are so fearful because of the risks that are involved and the consequences that are involved. But God is saying, just cut it. I am with you. I am with you. The fear of the learning baggage. The second type of baggage that we're going to see this morning 
is what I call the fear of the past baggage. The past baggage. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 through to 15, it says this. It says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. The cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. With Him, you were raised to new life. Because you trusted the mighty power of God. You raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature. And your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. For He forgave all your sins. He cancelled the record of all the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. Uh, He shamed them publicly by His victory over them at the cross. You know, I believe this morning that some of us, we are so restricted in moving what God wants us to, in moving forward in what God wants us to do because we are so ashamed of our past. We have things in our past that are just holding us back. They're holding us from moving into all the things that God has for us. You know, more than ever, I meet people who just don't want to get involved in church. You ask them to be involved and they're like, you know, I want to take a break. I don't want to, take, I don't want to be involved at the moment. You ask them to be in leadership and, and they don't want to be involved in leadership. And the reason is, is because they've been burnt and they've been hurt by other churches and by other leaders before them. And because of the things that have happened in their past, it is restricting them for what God wants to do now in their lives. Some of you, you, you may be in bad relationships that is stopping you going forward into the great relationships that God has for you now and in the future. Some of you, you may be so bound by sin in your life and certain actions and mistakes that you cannot go forward because that thing is just holding you back. But God has so much for you. And your future has nothing to do with your past. Yeah, there may be some scars there. There may be some lessons that you need to learn. But when your past holds, hold, when you hold on your past today, then your future, and then to, your tomorrow has no future. You know, I believe that there is a devil. I believe there is an adversary who wants to destroy your life. And I believe that he will tell you lies. And this is the lies I think he'll tell you. He'll say that you got so hurt yesterday that you can't move on. But the problem is the hurts of yesterday will stop you from going on. And this is what I believe the devil tells you. He will tell you the hurts of yesterday are still there, will still be there tomorrow. The mistakes that you made yesterday, you are going to make tomorrow. And the regrets that you had of yesterday will be in your nightmares tomorrow. And I believe that he's going around and he is telling you this stuff so that you will stop uh, where you are and you will concentrate on your past instead of looking ahead to the future that God has for your life. And I believe that is this type of baggage that is stopping you living the life that Christ has for you. And the Apostle Paul told these Colossians, he says, don't look back. Don't look back into the things of the past because this is what happened. Jesus Christ has come into your life. He has cut away your sinful past. He has cut away your mistakes. He has cut away your regrets. And now He has made you someone new and alive in Him. And so do not even let the things of your past 
stop you from what God has in the future. You know, John chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10 says this. Says, Jesus says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pastures. Then he says this. The thief's purpose, and I believe he's talking about the, the devil, the enemy. He said the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what I believe. I believe the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy the things in your life by bringing up your past time and time and time again. But this is what Jesus does. Jesus says, but my purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. So many of us, we course up in our past. And this is what happens when you let your yesterday control your today. Your tomorrow has no future. There is no future. But when today you decide to cut off the baggage of yesterday, tomorrow becomes a brand new day. And so this is what the Apostle Paul is telling these Colossians. He's saying, don't let this baggage restrict you. But this is what you do to your past. You cut it off. Cut off your past. So it will not restrict you anymore. And the final thing this morning that we see. We see that we've got the learning baggage. Where we're fearful of stepping out in faith. We've got the baggage of our past. Where our past drags, da- drags us down today. That we can't move forward in the future. And the last thing that we see that the Apostle Paul tells these Colossians. He says, okay, it's time to get rid of what we call the religion baggage. The religion baggage. This is what he says in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 16. It says, so don't let anybody condemn you with what you eat or drink. Or for not celebrating certain holy days or new, new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only a shadow of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels or saying that we have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for He holds the whole body together with its joints and its ligaments and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ and He has set you free from the, powers of the, uh, from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following these rules of the world? Such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Such, such rules were given, uh, sorry, such rules were mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. I believe that religion can be the killer of faith. And by religion, I mean lists of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations. You know, so often we see traditions, and there are some traditions that are good traditions. We see some rituals, and some rituals are good rituals. And we see sacraments and some sacraments are good sacraments. But so often what happens is those things become our faith. Those things become what we are all about. Sorry. 
But the great thing about Christianity is this. Christianity is not about rules and regulations. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's not about do this and do that. It's not about don't taste this and don't eat that and don't touch that. What Christianity is all about is about giving you freedom and liberty from what we call the law of God. And the law of God was just a list of things in order to make people right with God. But Jesus Christ came into your life and he, what we call, satisfied the law. He did away with the law of God in order so that you could have a life that was free and it was liberating. And it frees us from all those rules and regulations that never really worked. You know, us as human beings, we are people, we love to follow rules and we love to break rules. But the Apostle Paul told these Colossians, he says that they had become so consumed with the traditions of the past. They had become so consumed with the traditions that they thought was right and what was wrong. That they had stopped loving God. Because religion had got in the way of their relationship with God. And you know, I heard this story once of this lady who would bake bread. And whenever she would serve it, there would be like this loaf of bread on the bottom... And then there would be this little loaf of bread on the top. And she would serve it all the time to her family and, and to people who came. And one day somebody asked, he says, why do you have one, piece of, uh, one loaf of bread on the bottom and then a little bit at the top? And the woman turns, she goes, you know, I don't know. My mother always did it like that. And that's how my mother taught me to make bread. So the lady was, 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 uh, was curious. So she called her mother up and she said, Mom, when we make bread, why do we have one bit on the bottom and one bit at the top? And the mother says, you know, I don't know. Your grandmother taught me how to do that. So then the woman decided, well, let's give Gran a call. So she called Grandma up and she says, Grandma, you know when you taught Mom how to make bread? There was a bit on the bottom, and then there was a little bit on the top. Why was that? And the grandma says, oh, it's because when we were younger, we were so poor, we could only afford a small little oven. And when we put the dough in the oven, it wouldn't all fit. So what we did, we cut the end off so it would fit, and then we'd put it on the top. And she was like, oh. See, what happened, it was a rule that they used at one time to, to, to have a specific purpose. But what happened, that rule had become a tradition and then that tradition had gone on and nobody understood what that tradition was for. There was no reason now to have a little bit on the bottom and a bit on the top. They could have just one beautiful big long loaf. You know, I was on, a, on staff at a church out in Missouri and it was a large church. And at one point we had quite a few people leave the church. And the reason they left the church was this, was because the pastor decided that we weren't going to have altar calls. And what we mean by altar calls is, and what he meant was after the end of the service, he would ask people if they wanted to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And he would have them raise their hand, he would have them pray, but he never invited them to the front. And there was people, a lot of people in that church, who had grown up in an environment where every service they had had altar calls. And so they decided because he didn't have altar calls, they were going to leave the church. It was like, uh, we must have altar calls. So I asked the pastor, I said, so what did you say to them? He says, well, I just gave them the history of altar calls. He said, in the 19th century, the altar call was created. 
Not the first century, not the second century, but the 19th century. It was actually created by a man called Charles Finney, who was an evangelist who was mightily used of God, and God's power was upon him. And what he would do, he would go into workplaces, and he would go into factories where sin was just abound, and he would start preaching the Word of God. And these people would just be so consumed by God that they would just give their lives unto God. And in order for them to publicly declare their faith, he decided to bring them to the front of the, of the, factory, of the factory. And so they would come forward so that they could publicly declare their faith. And this spilled over into the churches. And for a century, and then another century, and 150 years later, 200 years later, we have people who are leaving churches because they're not having altar calls. But they're just traditions. For some people they work, for some they don't. But they are just traditions. And so often the traditions of our past stop us moving forward. This is what Jesus said, he said, to, to, to the Pharisees, he said at one point in Matthew 15, he said, he said your, your, your traditions and your rules and your regulations are taking you away from loving me. They're getting in the way of loving me. And what God is desiring of you, He's desiring that you would just love Him. So many are held back because we walk on eggshells trying to live a life that is holy. And instead of, instead of just living a life that God has designed us to live, we start having these rules and regulations that just cause us to stumble and cause us to fall. We haven't got time this morning to read it, but in Romans chapter 14, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, don't do anything in your life that will cause another man to stumble. He says, don't condemn other people for what they do, but instead look at your own convictions. He said, if you feel that something is wrong in your life and you do it, then you are sinning. But if somebody else does something that you feel is wrong, don't condemn your brother or sister. Unless it's written plain in black and white in the Bible. Because so often the Holy Spirit convicts our hearts about things that are not right in our hearts. But this is what happens with religion. We let our convictions spread out and we think everybody else should do what we are convicted about. And there are things in my life that I am convicted about, but there's things that, that, that you guys do. But I don't, I don't, I don't condemn you for, for those things, but they're convictions in my life. Because I know if I do those things, they will take me away from God. And the closer that you get to God, the more God reveals His heart to you. And the more He convicts your, your heart so that you will not do those things. And this is what Paul is saying. He is saying that this religion, this baggage of religion, is stopping you moving into all the wonderful things that God has for you. You're trying to go this way, and you're trying to go this way, but this religion is just stopping you. And this is what Jesus said. He says, I have made you free. I have died and rose again so that you may be free from all those rules and regulations so that I can come and live inside of you and that I can give you a full and satisfying life. And this is what he says to that, those people with baggage of religion. Cut it off. Cut it off. So now you are free to walk around and roam around and do what God has called you to do. So maybe today, you feel that you're being held back. Maybe for some of you, it's a lack of money. Maybe it's a lack of resources. Maybe it's a lack of time or a lack of knowledge. However, I believe for the disciple of Jesus Christ, 
You cannot let the baggage that is stopping you moving forward be an excuse any longer. Because when you go on the journey of faith, baggage cannot come along. Baggage cannot come along. The fear of stepping out in faith, the fear of your past regrets or mistakes, or the fear of narrow-minded rules of religion, are all baggage that cannot go where God is taking you to go. So today, I say to you, it's a new day. Cut off that baggage and see all that God has for your life. Let's pray.